Welcome to ISKCON of Silicon Valley. ISKCON is the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, founded by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who comes from a tradition of teachers in the line of Lord Krishna. And the most recent incarnation of Lord Krishna is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, but he appears as a devotee of Krishna to teach by example how to follow the process of devotional service. And in all the ISKCON centers we have around the world, we are carrying the uh, teachings that are passed down from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, from Lord Krishna, for instance, in the Bhagavad Gita. And also, they are practically presented uh, through what's called an acharya, or one who becomes the prominent representative at a particular time of the message. And that's why our Founder and Acharya means somebody who teaches by example and also gives uh, teachings that are very um, relevant to people at a particular time period. And therefore, we, we have a kind of spiritual formula that anyone can follow that's lined up with the teachings of Krishna, which are numerous, perhaps too numerous for people in this age to consume wholly, and they're given in such a way that uh, no matter what position of life one is in at this time, whether you're busy with kids, whether you're busy with your job, whether you're from the Indian culture or you're from some other culture, it, it's, uh, it doesn't matter because ultimately we're all spiritual beings. We're just doing business as. You know how to make a DBA. You have a corporation, and then you have to put in the newspaper that you're going to start operating under another name. Has anybody ever started a DBA, doing business as? Yes? No? Yes. I can't tell if anybody's uh, uh, responding because of the, the mask takes away a lot of the communication. No? Do you know what a doing business as is? You know what a DBA is, anybody? You know, okay. You haven't done a DBA, okay. I did a DBA some time ago and had to put the, the new name, it was called the Brihat Madunga Club, in the paper and run it for a while and then we had uh, authorization through the state to have it. Um, notarized, and then we can open bank accounts and everything else under that name, even though it's not the same name as the original corporation. Well, that's what, what everyone's doing in this world. We're actually not part of the material world, but we're doing business as someone else. Like, who are you? And say, I'm William Suchek. Well, that's a name, a doing business as name somebody slapped on me. My parents gave me my DBA when I was born. Who's this little guy? Well, he's doing business as such and such. <laughs> so Krishna consciousness is a way 
to find your way, the practice of bhakti yoga, Krishna consciousness, is to find out who the original corporation is, uh, where we come from and how we fit into it. And there are pra many practices in the process of Krishna consciousness. For instance, uh, Krishna consciousness is a cultivation. It's something to do uh, with our senses. In other words, it's not just sitting and doing nothing, although you can do that and practice Krishna consciousness as well. But for most people who can't sit, and hardly anybody can, there are ways in which to use one's senses. And when uh, we come to the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, uh, he has uh, innumerable writings through his disciples. One of them is Srila Rupa Goswami. And Srila Rupa Goswami wrote a book called The Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which is all about all the practices of devotional service, the hows and the whys. And in it, there's a list of 64 items that you can practice in devotional service. However, 64 is a lot for anyone to accomplish in any one day or week or month or year. And therefore, they're also consolidated into five. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave teachings that said, okay, there's 64 items, but there are five that are the most important. And then he said there's one that's particularly important out of all of them. In other words, by doing this one, you can accomplish all the 64. Does that help? Yeah, that's always helpful. And it's, it's nice to have things compact and essentialized. So we find a lot of that in the teachings of devotional service uh, through Sri, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So what do you think that one is? Chanting Hare Krishna. So chanting Hare Krishna is a, a purely spiritual activity. It, uh, it resembles sometimes ordinary singing and uh, uh, playing of musical instruments, music accompanied by singing, or singing accompanied by music. However, it's wholly transcendental because the name of God is the same as God himself. This is one of the teachings of the Srimad Bhagavatam and the other wisdom literatures which say that the Supreme Personality of God is absolute. It means everything about him is transcendental or spiritual. And that includes his name. But there's something special in a name also. And that is that it connects us to the person in, in a very... Um, well, let me rephrase it. It connects us in a very personal way. Just as everyone here has a name, right? And let's just say that the, everyone was talking in this room amongst themselves, but then you heard somebody say, Sundari Kirtan, over in the corner. See? She's almost blushing now because I meant... I can't tell from here or because of the mask, but <laughs> at least she took notice. And uh, if you hear your name out of a crowd, you're like, wait a minute, I think I heard somebody say my name. Or if somebody pages you in a crowded airport or train station, it's like, wait, wait, I've seen people do that. They become so <laughs> energized by hearing their name announced, like, I gotta go, I just heard my name, my name, my name. And there's a way in which 
if you meet somebody and then you ask the friend, it's like, who was that? It's like, a really interesting person, one of the nicest people I ever met. He's actually a billionaire and, you know, so many thoughts. And, and what's his name? I didn't get the name. It's like, you didn't get his name? What happened? What's wrong with you? Uh, how are, you, are we going to follow up? Something so intrinsic about a name. And, of course, we have our doing business as name. And then we have our name that's permanent. Because we're people, spiritually also. And it's not that when we stop doing business as somebody else, then we become nothing. We actually are something, and we have a real business to do. That doing business as is, is a diversion, but we have a real business. So we have a real business, we have a real name under which we do the business. What's the name, uh, uh, our real name, and uh, under which we do business? Who knows? You don't know? Come on, you've got one, huh? What's your last name? Your real last name. Oh, David Dossi, Angela Cantor David. Right, Dossi. What's your real last name? Not doing business as, but your real last name. Das. Das, okay, there's Dossi and Das. Hi, I'm Mr. Das. What does that mean? I'm a servant, servant of God. So that's your permanent name. The other ones are your doing business as names. I'm such and such, so and so, from this is my father and this and... These are all... Uh, doing business as temporarily here in the material world, but we have a permanent eternal name, which is Das or Dasi. means I'm a servant of God. And so then there's an eternal occupation in our business is to find our niche in that service and then complete it and go on with that service. So when we sing the names of Krishna, especially in the mantra called the Maha Mantra, it's a kind of a, a prayer in which we're asking for service to be also reinstated in our original business, in our original job, which is to be servant. So the mantra goes like this, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare, Hare. Hare means, oh my Lord, oh energy of the Lord. Krishna, who's the uh, original conscious divine source of everything and everyone, according to the definition of, of uh, the Supreme, which is mentioned as Janmad Yataha, that from whom everything else emanates, is, uh, has unlimited energies. This is mentioned in the Vedas. It says, Parasha Shakti Vivadai Vashuyate. It's not that the God is uh, one energy and there's no variegatedness. No, he has multifarious potencies or energies. And so when we say Hare, we're addressing the energies of Krishna, especially, particularly his internal spiritual energy, who's also personified as Srimati Radharani. That's a high concept, but I just thought I'd mention it. And then we say Krishna, and Krishna means all attractive, the source of everything that that's, contains all the attractive features that we're naturally looking for, and which we pursue here in this world because it's our nature to be attracted to beauty. However, there's a source of all that beauty, and that source is called Krishna. And then there's Rama. Rama means the supreme spiritual pleasure that we're seeking also. And there's a source for that also. 
that comes in from the spiritual world. And so when we're saying the mantra, which is called a spiritual formula, there's a way in which we're connecting directly to the spiritual world and bringing ourselves closer to service by requesting, please engage me in your service. So we'll talk a little bit more about this later. But for now, let's start with some uh, kirtan. Or actually, it's called samkirtan. Some means together. And kirtan means to sing or to glorify. So in the process of devotional service, we sing the name of Krishna, as I just mentioned, but we do it together. And it's a call and response. So all sing the mantra and then feel kindly listen as I sing. And then after I've completed singing, then you can repeat it back together as a group. And when we sing like this, it's a kind of group meditation and it's called Samkirtan. I mentioned Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, but who came to teach the process of devotional service. And his interaction with the people of the time gave us uh, many lessons for our own lives. So one of them that we may be able to relate to is the complexity of life in general. Anyone? Things tend to get complicated in this world. And sometimes it's hard to see our way to know what to do next. Because both options look equally bad. In fact, very rarely do decisions come with options that are so clear-cut that you know exactly what to do. Therefore, we have good guidance through the teachings of Krishna himself in books like the Bhagavad Gita. However, sometimes, even when we pick up the Bhagavad Gita, first of all, I maybe feel so overwhelmed by my situation, it may be even hard to read it. Or I might read something and still feel that which instruction is meant for me in this book. In which case, one can go to a person who has read the Bhagavad Gita and practiced it for a long time, has been through various circumstances under which, in which he or she has followed the Bhagavad Gita and found his or way, her way forward in life and therefore uh, has a, a clear idea, just like a sea captain who might have gone across the ocean 20 times and knows the admonition that red skies at night, sailors delight, red skies in the morning, sailors take morning. A novice going across the ocean may say, oh, isn't that a beautiful red sky this morning? And the captain will say, we're about to get creamed here on the ocean. Sea captain knows, having gone across, therefore, Krishna himself talks about how the body that we have is like a boat. He says that the human body is called nri, nri deha. 
and that it's a boat that is equipped to take us across the ocean, but we need a couple of things. One is we need wind. This is a wind power boat, a sailboat. We need favorable breezes to go across. And those favorable breezes are the teachings like the Bhagavad Gita. And then, he says, you also need a captain to navigate the ship in the right direction. So when uh, we, have, we have Bhagavad Gita, but we also have to have uh, some guidance from people on the ground and in front of us who can answer on a daily basis. Well, what does this mean? How do I apply it in my life? And so forth. 95% of questions generally in a community are about daily life. They're not highly philosophical. They're like, how am I going to get through this one? Uh, something with the family, something with the relationship, something happens and we become, we're challenged all the time. So we have then the books like Bhagavad Gita. We have, fortunately, those who have studied them carefully. Sometimes they're also the, the teachers who are well experienced are sometimes compared to lawyers. Like if you get in legal trouble, don't try to try the case yourself. There's a, there's a very uh, high failure rate for people who represent themselves in court. In fact, they ask them 50 times, are you sure you want to do this? And generally people who are crazy say, yes, I'm going to self, <laughs> I'm going to represent myself. And then they totally lose. And so uh, a, a spiritual teacher is like a lawyer who knows the law books and has also been to court many times. And of course, I saw a t-shirt once that said a good lawyer knows the law and a great lawyer knows the judge. <laughs> it's not exactly what you know, but who you know in law and other places and also in spiritual life as well. And then uh, we have a body of practitioners who have gone through the process in, from antiquity that we can look to and see how did they do it. These are three ways called guru, sadhu, and shastra. Shastra means the teachings of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. The, the core teachings that are passed down intact so that we can take advantage of them and in these days in our own home, in our own homes. It didn't used to be like that. It was very difficult to get books. You had to copy them by hand. And having a book was something wealthy people would have. Most people would go and listen to a talk somewhere in a village or a town and imbibe the knowledge that way. Books are, are beloved in human society, but they're much easier to get now, so we can easily take them for granted. And then you have a guru, which means heavy, somebody who's heavy with knowledge, like a sea captain or a really good lawyer, to help you in, uh, understand which parts of the, of the spiritual law books to apply and how they apply to your life and how to use them and how to get out of jams, how to get out of jail of your mind. 
and and then we have what's called sadhu. Sadhu is a word related to sadhya, which means the goal, and sadhana, which means the practice towards the goal. And a sadhu is somebody who's well-established in the process, has a consistent record, a really thick portfolio. And so there are many famous sadhus. So you take these three, guru, sadhu, shastra, to find your way across the material ocean is, is the way in which one can uh, make advancement in the process of devotional service. It's a simple process, but the application sometimes isn't so easy because my life is complicated. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu especially came as a guru and also as a sadhu, and he promoted Shastra. Interesting point I'd like to make about Shastra also. The word uh, can be pronounced as Shastra or Shastra. So as Shastra, it means the, the knowledge, the, the body of knowledge, or a spiritual teaching, like the Bhagavad Gita. And when you say Shastra, it's just a short A rather than a long A, then what you are referring to is a weapon like a sword. So we, uh, rather than getting, uh, being subjected to the sword, which comes naturally when we uh, violate the laws of nature, one way or another, we get some kind of reaction, which is kind of a, a reminder, or we might say it's punitive, some kind of punishment, to remind us to stay on the road. And if you don't take the Shastra, then you get the Shastra. So you can do it the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> now, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, <clears throat> there are a couple of examples about how he helped various people. One of them was named Tapana Mishra. When you read about the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his teachings, you'll find that the name Tapana Mishra comes up a lot. So who is he? He was a brahmana, and he had access to a lot of books, which was a big deal at that time because, as I mentioned, they were written by hand. You had to find a scribe to copy them. And did you know that scribes were mostly illiterate? They're kind of like modern-day copy machines. If they could in, they go, okay, I can copy that. They knew how to copy it. They didn't necessarily know how to read it. And they, they weren't aware sometimes if they, oh, I doubled the line, <laughs> you know. Uh, it wasn't so easy, so books were very rare. But Tapanamishra had access to books, and he read a lot. And he read so many books from so many different categories of knowledge that he found himself one day very confused. He said, I've read a lot of books, but I actually don't know what the goal of life is, nor do I know how to attain it. I once recently, I recently, uh, saw a clip um, with uh, Carl Sagan, the famous scientist. And he was in a library, and he started at one end of the library, and he said, here's how many books, if you read, and he named a certain number of books uh, reading per month, like two books a month, that you could read in a lifetime. So he walked for quite a while down the, a galley way of the library pointing out 
these are the number of books you could read in your lifetime if you were really into reading <laughs> and you read so many books. And then he stopped at the end and he said, but it's not how many books you read that counts. It's which books you read that count. So Tapanamishra ran into this problem. He heard from so many different sources that he wasn't sure which one was right for him because they all had uh, a verisimilitude of truth. It's, they sounded pretty good, and they, and they were confusing in their aggregate. So it just so happened at that time, and this is often how spiritual life starts, through some serendipity. Tapanamisha went to sleep one day after feeling particularly oppressed by this feeling of confusion, and he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not an ordinary-looking person because he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It's mentioned, for those of you who every day wake up early in the morning and recite the whole Vishnu Sahasranam, Stotram, raise your hands. It's busy time these days. Suvarna Varna Hemango Varnanga Shanjanangadi Sanyasa Krishna Shanto Nishta Shanti Purayanaha. This is a verse about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that describes him as being a golden color. And he was the color of molten gold. So in his dream, Tapanamisar saw this most beautiful, effulgent personality. And when he woke from his dream, he then met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who just happened to be in the area of East Bengal on a mission to gather more students. He had become famous even by the time he was 11 years old for his scholarship, and he began teaching. And people flocked to him from everywhere because he was the most brilliant teacher and scholar that anyone had ever heard of. And he was this young, very attractive personality. And when he went to East Bengal, he got thousands of followers there. And there, uh, people were coming to him. But Tapanamisha just happened to meet him walking one day. And this is what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. Ishvara sarvabhutanam hrida sherajunatishtati brahmayan sarvabhutani yantar rudrani maya. I'm within the heart of every living being. And Krishna knows the psychic movements of every living entity. And therefore, he could tell that Taparamishra was a sincere person, but he was confused. So it was his mission to give clarity to all the people who were aspiring for spiritual practice. So he arranged to meet Taparamishra. And when Taparamishra met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he saw, that's the same person I saw in my dream. And he went and offered his life to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's how he felt when he saw him. And then he said, I don't know what to do. I've read so many books. I've studied so many different spiritual processes. What's the best one? What should I do? I'm very confused. And in this context, the author who's writing about the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam, which indicates that one not only needn't read many books, but one shouldn't read too many books. You don't have to. 
You can enter deeply within the ones that matter. Remember what Carl Sagan said? It's not how many you read, it's which ones you read. And so there are certain books that you can go into again and again and again, and you'll never uh, come to the end of it. For instance, Bhagavad Gita, if you read it all day, every day, and we've done this, remember? Every time on the appearance of the Bhagavad Gita, we all sit here together and we recite the whole Bhagavad Gita. I've never had anybody afterwards come up and say, you know, that was too long. You know what they say instead, after six hours? Can we do it again tomorrow? <laughs> Everyone feels that that, that was, I, I finally feel happy in life. Uh, I've read this book. And Bhagavad Gita is like that, Srimad Bhagavatam's like that. The, the transcendental wisdom literatures are exactly like that. They take us immediately to the transcendental platform. And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said to him, here's what you should do chant Hare Krishna. He, he gave him the entire process encapsulated in one formula. And remember I mentioned at the beginning that there's these 64 items of devotional service, but they're all contained within one chanting Hare Krishna. And so he told Tapanamishra, chant Hare Krishna. And then he gave him an instruction, which nobody could understand at the time. Because now that Tapanamishra had decided he's going to give his life for this, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him something very odd. He said, now I want you to go to Varanasi. That's where all the people who we mentioned before, Nirvishe Shunyavadi, they were teaching there. At, they were, they had, that was the stronghold of all the Mayavadis. And here you are, someone just joins your community and they say, I want to surrender, I want to be a Hare Krishna. And you say, yes, go to Varanasi <laughs> with the Mayavadis. And no one could understand, but Chaitanya had a, Mahaprabhu had a plan. He already knew he was going to go there. And he was going to have a discussion with the Mayavadis and they were going to change their hearts and become devotees. And he wanted Tapanamishra there to do some service. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed him to chant Hare Krishna, and he also had service lined up for him. So we needn't worry when we come to the process of devotional service that we're going to go without. Somehow or other, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will make an arrangement for us that we're, we'll fit in and we'll find our service. And we'll also uh, get good guidance from somebody who's a sadhu or a guru who will teach us, yeah, do it like this, a little more to this side, listen, a little down here, okay, go, stop, no, move. <laughs> and if we follow that, we'll find our way, and uh, Krishna within our hearts will help us very handily. So then there was another person that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met. His name was Subhuti Roy. And he was also confused for a different reason. This is a kind of an... Uh, odd occurrence, but it had to do with the culture of the time 500 years ago. There was a demarcation between Hindus and Muslims. Uh, people made a big deal of it. Of course, not that they don't nowadays. But especially then, uh, people were very finicky about which side of the tracks you were born on, what culture you came from, and so forth. And so Subhuti Roy had been a uh, project manager for uh, digging this huge lake and one of the servants, who was like his son, was engaged in digging and one day had uh, 
misbehaved. And in um, correcting him, he, Subuti Roy, had left a, a small mark on the boy's body. Um, and that mark stayed there until this young boy had grown up. And by providence, he became a ruler, like he was promoted to the top. And then Subuti Roy had been in, in charge of a certain area, and now he was like the servant, and this other person was like the president. And so one day, this person's wife had seen the little mark on his body and said, where did that come from? He said, well, when I was a boy and I was working and I did something really naughty, Subuti Roy had corrected me and the, there was a, you know, a mark left on my body and she said, kill him. You must kill him. He said, I can't kill him. He's like my father. And she kept insisting over and over again until finally one day Subuti Roy said that, okay, I can't kill him, but I can change his status from a Hindu to a Brahmin. And back then, all you had to do was take a little water from a water pot uh, f uh, from the wrong side of town and sprinkle it on somebody's head, and then everyone would kick him out and say, you know, you're not with us anymore because you've been contaminated. And that's what happened to Subuti Roy. And so he was ostracized from his own community and society, and he didn't know what to do. So he went and asked some brahmanas, some local teachers, and one of them told him the only way to overcome this is to drink hot ghee. And then he thought, wow, that's a pretty extreme thing to do. I mean, boiling hot ghee means you'll die. And then he went to somebody else. They said, no, you don't have to do that. It's not a big deal. And then he got really confused. So he went to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, what do I do? How do I overcome this? What do you think Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said? Chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> and go to Vrindavan. And he said, if you, ch you continue chanting Hare Krishna, and when you start to get purified by the process of chanting Hare Krishna, you'll overcome all these problems. It, it, it'll become quite naturally uh, manifest in your heart that you, any reactions to past karma are dissipated. You're becoming happy and steady in life. And that's what he did, Subhuti Roy. Then there was another one named Kurma. Kurma was a really successful priest. He had a huge community, and there were people coming to his temple, big Sunday program, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came there to visit. He lived in this place called Kurmakshetra. And there, um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu impressed this uh, very popular personality so much that Kurma said, I'm going to give up my family, and I'm going to give up this congregation, and I'm going with you. I'm going to take sannyas like you did and just follow you everywhere. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu turned to him and he said, no, you have to stay here. And what you should do is you should stay here in your family, in your community, and you should teach everyone the process of Krishna consciousness. And he said, actually, everyone should do that. No matter where you are, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a sannyasi. You don't have to give up your family. In fact, don't. You don't have to give up anything. All you have to do is introduce 
the practice of Krishna consciousness, which is really simple. Get together and chant Hare Krishna and read a little Bhagavad Gita, and everything's going to be fine. In fact, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave that as an open order to everyone everywhere, that if you just do this, then you'll perfect your life. Try to teach other people about Krishna consciousness. So these are three incidents of those who had been confused in life and had received an instruction. It seems perfectly reasonable that someone would say, oh, I'll also take sannyasa and follow you, right? And who would have expected that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would have turned around and said, no, you stay here. It's the opposite of what some people think spiritual life is. Now let me give you one more. And that is that Arjuna, the hero of the Bhagavad Gita, had heard the Bhagavad Gita from Krishna. And he became extremely successful, more famous than he already was, by fighting the battle at Kukshetra, defeating all the enemies. Later, just after Krishna left the world, Arjuna was entrusted with taking care of the bodies, the, being a bodyguard for the queens of Dwarka, and he was not successful because he felt suddenly that he had lost his power, and he was dejected and morose. And in that state, he felt that he was bereft of everything. Krishna had left the planet, now he was no longer the great Arjuna. And at this time of, of loss, what could he do? He remembered the teachings he got from Krishna at Kurukshetra and the Srimad Bhagavatam. In fact, I'd like to show it to you. If you would turn, to, please, to Srimad Bghagavatam 1.15.29, I'm going to read you a short excerpt that goes right to the heart of the matter. And imagine you're the greatest hero, known for your prowess in fighting, and now he was overcome by some infidel uh, cowherders who attacked him, and he couldn't defend himself, even after he had been so successful at Krukshetra and everywhere else. So in this 1.15.29, if I may, I'm going to read you the translation and the very short part of the purport. Arjuna's constant remembrance of the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna rapidly increased his devotion, and as a result, all the trash in his thoughts subsided. If you've ever felt any trash in your, in your thoughts, or had thought, trash-like um, thoughts, uh, this one's for you. Material desires in the mind are the trash of material contamination. By such contamination, the living being is faced with so many compatible and incompatible things that discourage the very existence of spiritual identity. Birth after birth, the conditioned soul is entrapped with so many pleasing and displeasing elements which are all false and temporary. They accumulate due to our reactions. Mm -hmm. They accumulate due to our reactions. Now I'm lost. Combattle, there you are. Reactions to material desires. They accumulate due to our reactions to material desires, but when we get in touch with the transcendental Lord in his variegated energies by devotional service, 
the naked forms of all material desires become manifest and the intelligence of the living being is pacified in his true color, in its true color. As soon as Arjuna turned his attention toward the instructions of the Lord as they are indicated in the Bhagavad Gita, his true color of eternal association with the Lord became manifest and thus he felt freed from all material contaminations. My last point I'd like to make for now is that we'll inevitably come across situations in this life that are extremely trying. They'll be unbelievably trying and beyond what we ever expected we might have to face in this lifetime. There's only one way that you can overcome the onerous nature of the results of uh, experiencing such situations. And that is by turning to Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra and processing, just as Arjuna did, taking shelter of what Krishna said. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says such commonsensical things as, you're not your body. Yesterday, I was at a retreat and there were quite a few um, young people, mostly from um, Western culture, um, many of whom said it was their first time ever to such an assembly. And during the short talk that I gave, I made the proclamation that you're not your body. And when I asked for reflections, several people remarked that was the most amazing thing they had ever heard. And actually, it is amazing, but I take it for granted, and I forget it over and over again. And here's the fact. All the trouble that I have in this world is due to misidentifying myself with my mind and my body. And Krishna solved that problem by talking about how you're not your body. You can't be cut, dried, burnt. You can't be withered by the wind. None of that. So as a spiritual community, uh, Individually and collectively, uh, whenever we have difficulty in situation, we have to give two sides. We have to give our heartfelt compassion, as Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita also. Atmaupam yena sarvatra samam pashiti arjuna sukham vadukam sayogi paramomataha. A yogi is one who knows how to feel empathy for others suffering despite the fact that they're not their body. And we also have to give the other side, which is you're not your body. And let's remember together how to come through all dark situations and uh, happy situations in this world, apparently. There's always a, a, a Ferris wheel in the, in the material world, sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. We're on that Ferris wheel. So uh, the, the way forward is apparent, and it's given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through his own teachings, showing how he brought people in confused situations or extremely distraught situations uh, onto the uh, clear path of devotional service, and that's also by remembering Krishna's teachings in all circumstances, going back to the basics and remembering Bhagavad Gita, we can process whatever's happening to us and within our community in such a way that we can become more realized, 
we can become stronger, and we can uh, simultaneously be ultimately compassionate for everyone will be through troubling situations in this world. Om Tat Sat. Okay, a couple of reflections. And uh, first of all, everyone, please stand up just for a moment. And if you just reach towards the sky and say, Haribo. Let's just try one more time. One, two, three. One, two, three. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll take just a couple of reflections or a question or two. Guru Maharaj, the, the Bhagavad Gita, when it talks about the soul, I was remembering what you said. It says the soul cannot be cut, burnt. Um, it is eternal. It doesn't die. And immediately the thought that came to my mind was, well, um, I'm not being cut, burnt, chopped, killed. But I am being offended, hurt, humiliated. You know, I'm going through all this mental agony, which has nothing to do with, the, which then becomes physical agony because it's passed on to the body. Is it not one soul offending another? Where have I lost my way in that thought process? You just learn not to take it personally. <laughs> because everyone uh, offers free advice in this world, generally, by their, according to their perspective. In the 17th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, everyone has developed a certain way of looking at the world according to the way they've associated with the three modes of material nature. Now, some people say, uh, you absolutely have to do this. Some people say, if you do it, you know, you're no more a friend of mine. What are you going to do in that circumstance? Uh, you have to see that um, you're following Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra to the best of your ability, sincerely, don't take it personally, and uh, learn to forgive. Forgive others uh, when they trespass, and it doesn't mean that you have to uh, condone what they're doing, and it also doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. But you should forgive them, because if you don't forgive them, then even if you're separated by distance, you'll still be hanging out with them, because you'll be going to sleep at night thinking, why that? <laughs> so uh, follow what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. One of the teachings he gives in the 12th chapter is, don't become the enemy of your enemy. If somebody offends you, you don't become their enemy. They may still consider themselves your enemy, but if you don't consider them your enemy, then uh, there's not a lot to, uh, of play in that. No, they, generally, people don't get a lot out of that. They're like, you're no fun. How come you don't? Come on, let's argue. It's like, I, will, I would if it was any other lifetime. But in this lifetime, I don't have time to argue with you about that. I mean, there are some things worth arguing for in the, in the right time and circumstances. Generally, Vaishnavas are not argumentative. They discuss things in a, in a context so that they can come to a higher level of understanding. This is mentioned, Siddhanta Balaya Chitanakara Alash, Iha Krishna Loge Manosh. Don't be lazy about discussing and going into the details. Say, well, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but you said that. That's okay, but not in an argumentative way where you're trying to uh, dominate the other person and prove that, um, that you're... Well, let me put it another way. 
when you feel that it's non-productive, it's not going towards a siddhanta, then you don't need to engage so much. And if somebody offends you, then use the mantra, I live to be corrected. In fact, uh, I saw a, a famous communicator, and he was saying, if somebody insults you, there's different ways to reply. One of them just say, okay. <laughs> what are you going to Okay. <laughs> That's non-committal. It's neutral, and nothing, nothing happens so much after that. Why are you dirty, stinking? And then they're like, okay. <laughs> yes, Pavani Bhakti. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my most humble obeisances. Hare Krishna. Um, my question is about uh, when somebody is in distress or in a problem, like this morning we were discussing, somebody asked a question, you know, the Florida episode, like... Get them seats, please. Get them some seats. Yeah, please take care of our guests. Thank you. When somebody is in distress, how do we show compassion and bring them to sadhu shastras and guru? When somebody is in distress? Yeah. When somebody is in distress, you have to address uh, the, why they're distressed and try to uh, help them. Um, because it's, there's a uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's a pyramid. And at the bottom, you know, there's sh food, shelter, then there's psychological needs that people have. They have to be understood, and uh, you have to appreciate what their distress is. You can't fix it, but if you're, if you're kind and compassionate and open-minded and listen to other people, don't try to tell them, you know, uh, you shouldn't be distressed. Just let them uh, talk and um, l be a good listener, but be there for people. Then... There's a way, living entities are smart. They can figure it out, but we, we do need compassionate um, people to listen and, and hear. And once they, they feel a little bit uh, resolved in time, uh, they'll remember that, that you were there for them and so forth. Also, when you find an opening that's appropriate, you can uh, offer uh, spiritual wisdom, but it generally you don't want to come charging in with that when somebody's really distressed because uh, they can't hear it right away. It becomes difficult for them to relax their eardrums and let it in. So it's kind of a combination. And so uh, oftentimes what's best is to, to uh, for those who are distressed, bring prasadam. Take care of what they need, uh, you know, in their time of distress. Take care of them. If they need something, bring it to them. And you'll find that um, when we speak with our hearts and through compassion, that people will um, naturally understand the philosophy. Oh, I get it. We're supposed to be kind and compassionate. So that's one, one way to deal with people who are in distress. It's a, it's a, a time in which people's minds are very uneven and disturbed, so that they need, to, they need help feeling balanced and um, grounded before they can take in spiritual knowledge and be part of the practice sometimes. Okay, I hope that helps. Yes, uh, Kanka, and then we'll come back. Get a microphone to the back. You can hold on to the one right here.
Maharaj, thank you for the class. It was really inspiring. Did you, have you gone back and told your brother what happens at the time of death? You know, it's, a, it's been a, a really interesting saga with my family. You know, I'm, one of the reasons I'm thinking about it is because in something I'm writing right now, the editors told me I had to write a backstory. And I was really reluctant to do it because, it, it, and I found this in school too when I was writing and I had to write autobiographically. I had a teacher, Ms. Uh, Catherine Lucas. She was really good, San Francisco State. Fantastic teacher, English literature. And um, she asked me to write autobiographically, and then she kept challenging me. In the, um, she, I'd get my papers back, she, and then I'd talk to her, and she'd say, you know, you're hiding something here. <laughs> Like, wow, it's that I'm that transparent or not transparent. <laughs> and and it, it became uh, kind of therapeutic. And it, it just recently in writing autobiographically, it opened up a whole um, area of remembrance of my interaction with my family. Uh, uh, that's my brother Thomas that I was talking about. He's two and a half years older than I am. And I'm still very close with him. In fact, I was just communicating with him last night. and. Yeah, he knows. He knows everything. But so did my parents. I mean, they saw everything. It wasn't, they weren't slow. They were very intelligent people, academics. And, uh, you know, they could see, but they were, their eardrums weren't relaxed until the last, last minute. And uh, I don't know, Thomas, if you're listening, uh, no. Uh, uh, no, uh, he, know, he knows, he's seen, we've, we've talked, but I have to be, Careful, when you talk to your relatives, unless they're open, especially if they're older, you don't just barge in. It's like, look, I tell you, you don't tell me. Until the role's reversed by, the, you know, by some circumstance. Like, you never come in and tell. Of course, some of you, you're such, from such elevated backgrounds. You know, I hear all the time. I called my mom, told her to chant 16 rounds. She's chanting 32. You know, <laughs> what, what can be done? Uh, but in general... <laughs> You don't instruct your parents and your older brother and things like you wait until they say, you know, I'm not, I'm not your brother anymore. I'm a living entity. What should I do now? Kind of like Arjuna at Kurukshetra. You know, this relationship he had with Krishna was friendly. And then he said, no more friends. Of course, friends, yes, but I'm your student now. You please tell me. So we all have to have that Arjuna moment or the people we're around, we have to kind of see it before we can, that's, at least that's my f feeling with, with my family. What's left, you know, they're all taking off in different directions. Okay, there was a couple more, yes. Utsahan. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Uh, what is the meaning of Rama in Hare Krishna Mahamantra? Rama means the highest spiritual pleasure. It also means spiritual strength. You have to have an internal spiritual strength in order to move forward. Have you ever noticed that? In order to do any discipline, there has to be kind of an internal strength that you have. It's like, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, to be able to do it. So spiritual strength and also the highest spiritual happiness comes from Rama. Thank you. Yeah. Ramate yogino anante satyananda chidatvani itirama padena. So... This a verse from the Shastra says that those who know what the meaning of Rama is me, know that it means the highest happiness. 
It also means Ram Chandra. Uh, that, I, also means so Balaram. So if you're chanting Hare Krishna on Ram Navami, it's okay. Everything's covered in the Ma Mantra. It's, it's for all seasons, all holidays, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Truly, yeah. So that's why I was so confused, whether it's Lord Balarama or like... But it's all. Balarama. It's both of them. They have similar, you know, it crosses over. Prabhupada talks about then in his books, can mean Lord Balaram, can also mean Ramachandra. Because sometimes people are arguing about that. No, it means this. I and mean, Prabhupada said, yeah, you're both right. Okay, there was two more, and then we'll have a little more kirtan. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So I really like the part where you said it's about quality over quantity in terms of the books that you read. Yeah. It's not about how many books you read, but which books you read. And lately, as a part of my spiritual practice, I've been trying to set a goal of reading one chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam and one chapter of Krishna book. But I realized that after my sadhana, after I do read those two chapters, I'm not retaining any information that I do read. And it's more beneficial for me to read one book, one chapter of the Krishna book and talk about that than reading two chapters and setting that kind of goal. Well, good to know that about, about your practice for yourself so that you can calibrate appropriately. And everyone can find their... Uh, particular uh, rhythm uh, to, to in their practice so that you, you feel like you're being able to focus and get the most out of it. So it's good to know. Thank you. Also, you know, we're not uh, hearing and, and reading just for the information. And not that that's what you're saying or anything, but sometimes people say, well, I, I you know, I didn't learn it all. Um, Maybe you learned a lot more than you thought. It's in there. And um, it's not simply to learn something and then represent it like oftentimes we do in school. Uh, it also is helpful and highly recommended to, to, to read and hear in the association of like-minded devotees who are more advanced than oneself. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught. If you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Find a place where people are more advanced and they have a taste for the practicing devotional service in a similar that way that you do in here. It's so uh, spiritually nourishing that uh, nothing else can compare, actually, to that kind of practice on a regular basis. Anyway, I know you're doing that and it's, it's, it's really nice to hear how much you're doing it. That's a lot. Okay, we'll take... Uh, Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Yes, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare, Krishna. Hare Krishna. Nice to be, nice to be there inside the temple, <laughs> ISV temple. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was thinking about something that you were talking. Um, you were talking something about the forgiveness and something like when you are like uh, not forgive someone is like to take poison and and expect that the other one die. So. <laughs> It's important to, to, to develop that and you make me remember on that and how to to be like Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Trinada Pisunichana Tarora that's the best stage to con to chant continually the Mahamantra Hare Krishna. So thank you so much, Guru Maharaj.
Great to see you. Hare Krishna. Harivo. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to chant a little more now because we have a couple more minutes and then we're going to have a, an RT ceremony, which is a very beautiful ceremony offering various items of worship to the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Krishna, 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 Hare, 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 Ram, Hare, Ram, 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 Hare, 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 Krishna, Hare, Krishna, 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 Hare, 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 Ram, Hare, Ram, 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 Hare, 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 Krishna, Hare, Krishna, 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 Hare, 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 Ram, Hare, Ram, Ram, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama Hare Hare Thank you everyone for coming. Now we're going to have an Artik ceremony followed by Prasadam for everyone in San Mateo, Santa Clara, San Francisco, Count Alameda counties, Contra Costa County, my hometown. Uh, everyone's welcome. If you're listening now, get on down here because we're going to be serving everybody. Uh, now we'll stand up and move the asanas to the back and we'll uh, observe the Artik ceremony. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Yeah. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.